For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, Thursday, January 23rd. We got a good one for you. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. She's back. If you're going to buy tickets to a live event, whether you're here on Earth or you're on the moon, you have to utilize SeatGeek because SeatGeek scans all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best ticket available at the best price available. And right now, use promo code PAT, you get $10 off your first order. Holy hell, I know. Use promo code McAfee, get $20 off your first order. It's Valentine's Day, right around the corner. Maybe get some tickets to something. Maybe go see a comedian that she likes to laugh at. Maybe go to a concert, you know, sing a little something, something. Maybe it's Celine Dion. Sam went to Celine Dion. By the way, the Canadian lady from Titanic still got it. Any live event, SeatGeek has tickets. And right now, use promo code McAfee. Get $20 off your first order. Holy hell. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with SeatGeek today. Also, this winter, start a new routine to upgrade your everyday life with a monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every single month. So whether you're looking to commemorate an occasion with a champagne saber or toast perfectly aged winter cocktails, Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, you'll take a quick quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel anytime, anytime, anytime. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. You're already getting a $25 deal, and right now, you'll get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code HEARTLAND at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code HEARTLAND, for 20% off your first box. Now, great conversations today with a couple Super Bowl champions and... We break down in basketball, bro. Let's get to it. Right before we get to Ike Taylor, I wanted to have this conversation. Is Jimmy G not getting enough respect? We talked about this uh, a couple of days ago, and it was chatted about by teammates of Jimmy G. Uh, McGlinchey or something like that, I yeah, believe. Mike, on, Mike, Mike McGlinchey, the, an offensive lineman for the 49ers, came out and said beforehand that number 10 can do whatever he wants to do. And he said, just because we win with a run game doesn't mean that people should talk bad about how Jimmy G is a quarterback. And I agree. I think this game manager title that has been handed out to people that has been, I think, supposed to be slander or a night. Every quarterback is a game manager. Every single quarterback is put into a system and they either manage it in a successful fashion or they don't. Jameis Winston was put into a system that is a lot of throwing. It's the Bruce Arians offense. Was he a game manager as well? Because he managed both the Buccaneers team and the other team <laughs> because he was managed to give them the ball 30 times. Is he considered a game manager or is it not because he was able to throw the ball 50, 55 times a game. I think this game manager title all started whenever like Alex Smith started having success. Everybody was like, Alex Smith, not really a quarterback. He's just a game manager. Every single quarterback is a game manager and every quarterback's job is to win a game. I think this year the San Francisco 49ers have managed to win games in different fashions. Now, they just beat the Packers handily. I mean, I mean, 
ass beating of the Packers just happened this last weekend, and he only threw the ball eight times. And everybody's like, well, they're able to beat the Packers in the NFC Championship without him doing anything. You could put a gorilla back there and play quarterback that could just hand off the ball eight times, and they'd be able to win. I think that's a, a complete misperception of what's going on in the San Francisco 49ers. Whenever Jimmy G plays, they win. When Jimmy G doesn't play, they lose. That is just how it goes. And here's some stats about the old Jimmy G. I think that will, you know, make people ease up on Jimmy G. Just because they were able to beat the hell out of the Packers without him having to throw the ball, which is smart football, by the way. Kyle Shanahan told Terry Bradshaw immediately after game, why'd you only let Jimmy G throw the ball eight times? He was like, well, they couldn't stop us. What do you want us to do? If you find a weakness in your opponent, you just beat the hell out of that until you win the game. That's just what a smart person does. If I play you in ping pong and I realize that you don't have a backhand, guess where that ball is going every single time I get Is that boring? Is that, yes, it might be boring for you. It might be boring for people watching. But all I know is you're getting skunked and you're getting whitewashed and this game is over at 11 points. This is just how you compete and how you beat people. And I think Jimmy G has been taking a lot of shots because of the way they decided to beat the Packers. Here's some fun facts. He has the best fourth quarter QBR in the NFL. That's what, when you're clutch time, that is the clutch gene that you talk about a quarterback. He had the best record for a QB in the Super Bowl era currently with at least 25 starts, 23 and two. Remember, he had that 5-0 and start. That's whenever this uh, San Francisco 49er push happened two years ago. Then he zigzagged and, and tore his ACL and he was out and they stunk. He comes back. Now they're Super Bowl, fa- not Super Bowl favorites, but they're in the Super Bowl. He is the highest passer rating when they trail in the NFL. So whenever you need him to throw, whenever he has to make a play, normally when you're trailing, you go to a throw. That's what happened with the Titans against the Chiefs. They went away from the run because they didn't think they could keep up with Patrick Mahomes. Ryan Tannehill had to throw over the place. That's just one example of what happens when you're trailing. You have to throw. When the Niners are trailing, Jimmy G has the highest passer rating. So whenever he has to throw, he can do it. In that Saints game, he went shot for shot with Drew Brees. I mean, I think Jimmy G is not getting enough credit in this whole thing because of how dominant their defense because of how dominant their running back running game was this past weekend. I don't think Jimmy G's getting enough credit or respect. With that being said, I don't think he can keep up with Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but I am tired of people saying that Jimmy G isn't a good quarterback because he bought into what his team needed him to do to win. Like Instead of being a selfish guy and checking out of runs and calling throws, which quarterbacks do, which is something that happens, especially whenever you're close to the end zone, a quarterback checking out of a run to a pass is something that selfish quarterbacks do because they have incentives based on how well they throw the ball. Instead, he just understood that all the team needed him to do that particular day was hand the ball off. George Kittle understood that all they need you to do today is pancake the hell out of people. That is something called buying in and being a good teammate, and I think Jimmy G does not get enough respect for that. Um, I was going to say that he should be commended, praised, for how little they run and then how good he is when they do pass. Because as a lot of athletes, you get, yeah, you get a rhythm and stuff like that. And you shouldn't be punished for how good your team is at running the football. He is getting, he's, getting, he's getting mocked for being a quarterback right now because how much money he's making and all this stuff. But how good they are running. It's like, what do you want Jimmy G to do? You want Jimmy G to tell Kyle Shanahan to stop devising incredible running <laughs> plans? Like, what do you want the guy to do? I assume in the next couple of years at some point, Jimmy G will be near the top of the leaderboard for passing. And this will all just be something that we'll say you remember they used to say jimmy g wasn't a good quarterback because of how good the run game was it's just like yo if you can beat the hell out of somebody like that why not do that i don't know if it's just recency bias or what because their run game has won them the last two games and it's been so dominant but no one was saying this during the season like their passing offense was explosive like all George year George Kittle. yeah exactly and debo samuel and mm-hmm. emmanuel just, sanders yeah. like they're they don't have they're not just a bunch of chumps in the passing game and and by the way if you're listening to this you might not have been disrespecting jimmy g so i might you might be like, why is he yelling at me for this? <laughs> <laughs> These are people that are speaking in the microphones other places. I, I don't like that Jimmy G's not getting enough respect for this whole thing and credit for this thing. We have to get to a break because we got Ike Taylor on the other side. Excited to talk to him about life. And maybe, hey, maybe I'll talk to him about, is Jimmy G not getting enough credit? <laughs> I think he is. I honestly, I, I think he does. I think he does a lot of goodwill up there too in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Jimmy G is the picture of what a quarterback's supposed to be right now. Teammates like him. I mean, he's a good guy. People in the community like him. Bill Belichick loved him. Loved him. Oh, Bill Belichick loved, loved him. Him. Patriots oh. Nation loved Jimmy oh, G. Oh, is that right? <laughs>
Joining us now is that dude, two-time, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Incredible personality as well. Big brain, lot of swag. Doesn't mind Tim Tebow. Ladies and gentlemen, Ike Taylor. Hey, P-Mac. What's going on, man? P-Mac, so you, you, y'all got like play calling from the sideline in the back. So your guys were telling me <laughs> to turn on my phone a certain way, but they really wasn't talking. Like, I'm like, dang, how y'all calling plays? I mean, this is a whole P-Mac show. And no, ain't nobody saying nothing to me. So well, we're I thought sign- that was pretty dope. We're, we're sending signs, you know, and sometimes our signs get stolen. But we can't talk to you because the way our technology is set up, if we were to talk to you, that would go live over commercial okay. break. Okay. So we yeah, That makes sense. Yeah, we got a lot of wires crossed in here. <laughs> so it had to do a full uh, charades game to tell you to turn your phone sideways and then move. You look perfect. You're the first person to figure it out this good, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, so basically, y'all still got the hanger on top of the old school TV. <laughs> what y'all doing over there? Bingo! <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get to this. Um, I said this. I was in a production meeting uh, for uh-huh. Get Up on Monday morning, and this was directly after the Reva Sherman situation happened. And one mm-hmm. of the ESPN executives said, Reva should not talk. Sherman's a Hall of Famer. He cannot say that. And in my eyes, I didn't say anything to this person because I have no pool, but I... I it became an, another conversation. Revis, I think, is at that status where he can say anything about anybody, can he? I mean, Revis is one of those guys who's allowed to talk about anybody. Is he or am I wrong with that? I mean, it's, it's just bad to see DBs talk about DBs. Okay. But at the same time, you know, Revis, he, that's exactly what he did. He played man to man. So you you can say what you can say whatever you want to say and, and – not knocking Sherm, like Sherm is good in cover three and he he's great at what he do. Like Sherm is a I'ma sit back, I'm gonna sit on one side, I'ma read routes, I'ma see what the offense is trying to do to the defense, and when the time is right, I'm gonna take this calculated risk and I'm gonna go make my play. That's how Richard Sherman plays football. That's how he calls the interceptions. He get deep he picks off deep balls, he reads intermediate routes, route, route combinations. And you can only do that by sitting on one side and just getting a feel for what the offense is trying to do to you. Revis Island has just been Revis Island. <laughs> hey, Revis, you get him, other 10 guys, here go our game plan. This is what we're going to do. Okay. It's two different, it's, it's different kind of corners. So I couldn't ask Richard Sherman to do what Revis did, but I could ask Revis to do what Richard Sherman is doing it's just Revis is just so used to playing man coach when I come in on Wednesday you just tell me who I got okay well I have a question why did Revis get so upset about this like like that's, is he- that's my whole I don't I don't <laughs> that's my whole thing like, answer the question like you, why did man, he you take got the same kind of question like why do you take why? that shot out of nowhere I, I it came out of nowhere i feel like like maybe there was a conversation at one point where they're talking about sherman being the greatest corner of all time and it maybe revis could have took offense to that because by all accounts revis is one of the best businessmen in the history of the nfl and one of the best corners of all time if not the best corner of all time because revis island was a real thing this feels like it came out of nowhere and i don't know if during the game somebody was like here's richard sherman the greatest corner of all time and Revis was like, wait a damn minute. I don't know if that's – why did it happen, you think? Why was Revis so upset? I don't I don't know. I, I just know, you know, when you're sitting at home, man, you, you got a lot to think about. <laughs> and, right now, <laughs> and right now, you know, Revis Island, man, he – you know, everybody been coming to the island for a long time. It, it's been empty for a while. So he, he just sitting at the crib and just seeing Richard Sherman continue to just do it on a high level. You know, it, it – Sherman is still playing at a high level. Like, Man. Sherman ain't never been fast. Regis ain't never been fast. Regis has always been patient. Regis always had, always have had hands. Like, the, the guy, for far as like a technician, when it comes down to bump and run coverage and not panicking when the ball is in the air, that's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. Revis Island, that's, that's the guy I'm talking about. Richard Sherm, Sherm plays cover three, and they play zone, zone coverage. But in that zone coverage, P-Mac, if you just have one receiver to that side, you basically playing man. So for, you know, for an extended amount of time, depending on how the offense is lined up, and usually 
he's going to have two receivers or a receiver or a tight end because usually your quarterback are right-hand dominant. So in re- and Sherman is sitting on the left side of the defenses, which is the strong side of offense when you want to talk about passing tendencies. Uh, so that's what makes Sherman so special because he's able to figure out and reroute combinations between whether it's one, two, or three receivers to his side. You, you best believe if you throw it his way, he's going to pick the ball off. All right, so there's going to be parts of that that are going to get plucked out and out of context. I just want to let you know from your answer there. People are going to do that. But I think you explained that perfectly. And I think we all feel the same exact way as you do, by the way, people with a brain. I'm hoping Darrell Rivas, you know, maybe somebody will go say hello to him or give him a little bit of love so he doesn't have this feeling because he's a goat in my eyes, and I appreciate him. I just don't like the negative relationship that's happening right now with Darrell Rivas. Let's move forward. Two, Two corners, just two different styles of play. Okay, two so Hall of Fame corners is two different styles of play. Okay, so let's talk about Sherman and their style of play. If you remember back the Seattle Seahawks, Legion of Boom, what they did to Peyton Manning and that Denver Bronco defense with two weeks of preparation. Do you see that same type of thing potentially happening? Same thing. You do? Same thing. You see the same, same thing potentially happening? Same thing. Same thing. And, 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 and the reason why I'm saying the same thing, like, of course, Green Bay didn't have the exotic cars and the Tyreek Hill and the Hartman. And, and Sammy Watkins, of course, they didn't have them kind of cars. You ain't have two Ferraris and a Lambo sitting in the garage. But at the same time, let's, let's, let's not discredit San Fran's defensive line. We're forgetting how many first-rounders San Fran do have on that defensive line. We forget that they still have four defensive linemen who was on IR. So they're, they're going six deep right now. And when you're going six deep on that D-line, let alone that front seven, I don't – if I can get to the quarterback and I don't have to blitz five and I can drop eight in coverage, man, I'm cooking with gas. So we're discrediting the fact that they didn't play a Peyton Manning last week. They played a damn good quarterback who's also just as mobile as Patrick Mahomes. And I'm talking about AR-12. Y'all call him Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's not like, oh, now we just got to switch our whole defense and our mentality from playing a pocket quarterback to a guy who can scramble. We played a damn good scrambling quarterback the week or two weeks before we played y'all. How do you? How, we, how are they going to stop everybody? How because they can drop seven in the coverage? Is so that- it eight. So eight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seven coverage. So 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 now Patrick Mahomes going to have to take what the defense gives him. They play deep to short. So of course it's going to be a lot of checkdowns, 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 checkdowns. Can Patrick Mahomes take that for 10 plays on a drive? I don't know because I know Patrick Mahomes, he, the man likes the deep ball. He throws a good deep ball, and he have enough, no, enough weapons to throw that deep ball. So it's, it's, it's just – and I just talked about this on my podcast. The reason why I did like – and I felt like Patrick Mahomes was growing as a quarterback is because you saw him have a lot of checkdowns last game. And, you know, when you get a quarterback – who can look deep, look intermediate. Okay, the defense isn't giving me one of those two. I can check it down to my running back right now. That's growth because a young Patrick Mahomes, and even though Patrick Mahomes is still young, it's look deep, look intermediate. I'm going to scramble. I'm going to try to throw deep. I'm not worrying about my running back. The new Patrick Mahomes, the veteran Patrick Mahomes, what he's doing now He's looking at all three phases. It's deep, intermediate. If I don't have one of the two, I'm checking it down to my running back. And also throwaways too. He was throwing the ball. He threw a ball away like five times, six That's times. That's gross. Yeah, I think so That's- too. I think I think being smart. And then he was running, taking what the defense would give him. You, you're saying basically you think this is going to come down to red zone defense, 49ers. 100%. First Chiefs, if they sc- kick field goals or score touchdowns, basically. Because they're going to bend 100%. but don't break. They're going to let them do that. 100%. They 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 – San Fran defensive four, they front four. When you can get to the quarterback and cause havoc and create pressure without bringing five, they've been doing that the whole year, and they rotate. Like I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at San Fran defense like how I look at Alabama defensive line. Man, you just rotate guys every other series, so they got got a rotation going on, and that's hard to do in the NFL, but they have that at that disposal. It's very tough for an offensive line, too, to have to face a fresh guy on the other side. <laughs> Correct. Basically every single play. And you, by the way, offensive linemen have the worst jobs in history. The worst jobs in <laughs> history. You get no credit for anything, ever. 
Like Mostert, right. Mostert was up on the thing, by the way. Yeah. He rushed for two touchdowns without even being touched and 186 yards without even being touched. Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle in that offensive line. You get no credit. And if you get beat two times in a game, you're going to be cut. If your guy gives, if you give up two sacks, just you yourself, yeah. you're going to be cut. That's just the way it goes. Is now you got fresh guys coming after you. I mean, that's inevitable to happen. So I get comfortable with one guy. I think I figure one guy out in front of me. Now you bring a whole another guy that I can't figure out. Now the guy who I think I got figured out, I forgot what I was thinking the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, man, why y'all playing with me? Y'all need to stop playing over there. All right, I want to stay friend. I want to change speeds here real quick because we only okay. got like five minutes left. Joe okay. Burrow is by all accounts going to be the number one pick, whether it's to the Bengals yeah. or not. Let's assume that is rookie quarterbacks. Coming into the NFL, if you're a secondary and you're facing against a rookie quarterback, you just kind of hinted at it with Patrick Mahomes about not doing the check down and growth and things like that. Joe Burrow playing in basically an offensive system at LSU this last year with Joe Brady. Do you think he is going to be ahead of the game coming or ahead of the curve coming into the NFL? Or do you think he's going to have classic rookie quarterback troubles? No, he's going to be ahead of the game. <laughs> like, cool. I call him cool Joe. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> hey, listen, listen, in the history in the history of college football, P-Mac, have you ever seen a cooler quarterback than Cool Joe? How about that cigar, the wall? That's what I'm talking about. Everything, <laughs> everything about him is awesome. Everything hey, about P him. P-Mac, to see, a, to see a young man understand, just to see his story from Ohio State to going to LSU to winning a national championship to smoking that damn cigar. <laughs> I think hey, I'm a cigar smoker, P-Mac. This is what I do. I smoke cigars damn near every day, P-Mac. I say, man, this son of a gun look cooler than me smoking this cigar. <laughs> he's got that little curly hair, too, in the front. What? Oh, man. Yeah, I think he's going to be in a good spot. I think Joe Burrow's going to do well. You think there's any... Oh, he's different. He's different. Think- uh, Joe, for, just getting back to Joe Burrow, the question for me to answer your question, he's really cool in the... He's very cool in the pocket. And to see him dissect the defense at a college level, whether you're in cover four and he see four guys in the secondary lineup on a straight line, whether you're in cover one or cover three, and he checks to see if you're in cover one by going short motion. Okay, I got to – if a slot receiver going with, with a slot corner, if he goes in motion, I know this cover one, not cover three. Um, just to understand concepts and reading safeties and – not panicking, sitting in a pocket. For me, he's Tom Brady-ish, sitting in a pocket, just a pocket, a young Tom Brady with pocket presence. That's how I look at Joe Burrow. Are the, Patriots, are the Patriots going to trade up with the Bengals <laughs> to take Joe Burrow at, at number one? Not at, not at all. You know, you know mathematically, and when it comes down to these draft picks, every goddamn season – for some reason, Coach Bill Belichick wound up having 14 draft picks, <laughs> and we wonder where, where the heck it come from. Where the heck, where the heck it come from? And they'll get suspended three draft picks. So like, right, you lose three draft picks this year because of the video that Zito did of the Bills sideline right. that you had in your thing, and they'll be like, "All right, it, oh, all right, we, we still have we still have 22 draft picks." I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they for do some it. reason. All right, for I, some reason. Hey, we appreciate the hell out of you, man. You think the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. I think the Niners gonna win the Super Bowl. Yeah, is that because you're a defensive guy and they're they're known for being a defensive team? That's nah. They they just had a total total package. When you got a team, if you watch any sort of boxing, when you got a boxer who can be a southpaw or unorthodox, that's just their offense. I mean, that's just their offense. Their offense, they can run the ball down your throat if you want to. And shout out to the wide receivers for the San Francisco 49ers offense because blocking is a want to, uh-huh. and uh, you run for 211 yards. And a safety or corner don't touch you because a wide receiver is blocking to you 15 yards down the field. Um, so I got to give Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders that kind of credit because when he was playing with Pittsburgh, he, he ain't nothing but 185-pound soaking wet, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders will crack block on a D lineman, outside linebacker, or a safety at 185 pounds. So just looking at that receiving conference from the San Francisco 49ers, I'm like, he has a lot to do with the want to of blocking. 
By the way, if you need me to pass, just go ask Drew Brees what we did in the Superdome. I, that's, <laughs> hey, I just said, I, I just said yeah. it. Jimmy G's not getting yeah. enough credit right now because they had to run it. They only only threw it eight times because they could run it down the Packers' throat. It's like, yeah, who cares? Coach, coach, yeah, Coach Kyle Shanahan, like, man, if y'all just going to let me get 10 yards of pop on this run, this, what the hell you think I'm – I don't need to <laughs> – hey, hey, Garoppolo, save your own. We're about to run the ball 40 times, bro. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Ike Taylor, I appreciate you. Two-time Super Bowl champ. Thank legend you, of a human, Ike Taylor. I love you on here, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, bro. Yep. Thank you. So sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Legit, I am I'm very sorry to interrupt whatever's going on in the show right now. I bet it is good, and it's only going to get better. Conversation is only going to get better, as is your life, if you listen to me for these next 60 seconds-ish. When was the last time you were driving through a storm and thought, wow, I love not being able to see shit when I drive? You probably haven't. Now, driving in bad weather doesn't have to be a headache, thanks to the new Michelin Endurance XT Silicone Wiper Blades. That's the Michelin Endurance XT Silicone Wiper Blades. These blades last through everything. To prove it, Michelin just put their new Endurance XT silicone wiper blades to the test on a world record-breaking 16,000-mile drive from Alaska to Argentina. Just to show how durable these blades are. Rainer Zitlo, Rainier Zitlo, Sorry, I apologize. Rainier Zeitlo was the man behind the wheel, and he put the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades through ice, snow, rain, thunder, and wind. Huh? Couple kabooms in the sky and a lot of nasty wind. And the blades took all of it. These blades are crafted for extreme weather performance with an advanced quad tech four layer coated silicone that repels water, snow, and ice and lasts two times longer than those other shitty blades. The Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades are real-world proven for extreme weather performance. Upgrade to the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades today only at Walmart. Back to the show. Being joined now by a man who is a Super Bowl champion, a man who has the talent to be a starting quarterback but has relished in the role of a backup quarterback from Missouri, wears a backwards hat, Chase Daniel. <laughs> Chase, how's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm excellent. Thanks for joining us. You've been doing the television rounds. Are you hinting at something right now, Chase? You've been in the NFL a long time. You're all over the television. Are you hinting at your future right now, Chase? Or can we expect you to maintain this position of being a great backup quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years or so? I would love to play for the next 10 to 15 years. <laughs> no, listen, I'm just I'm just trying to get my feet wet. I'm trying to be like you, you know, making the jump from uh, from football to, to television. So hopefully I have another five, six years in, in, the, in the league. But this is definitely something that I could see myself getting into like when I'm done. Okay. Uh, I think you do a great job. We <clears> watch <throat> you on ESPN. I mean, don't cough into the microphone. <laughs> I mean, you, you like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we watched you on ESPN last week. You're incredible. We're very thankful you joined us. Excited for this. The main yeah, conversation, I think, around you and this year, the Bears, is the big regression of Mitchell Trubisky. In 2018, he was like number two or number three overall QBR. The conversation going into this past season was, okay, we got a defense. We got Mitchell Trubisky getting comfortable in, a, in another scheme for another year. Here we go. This is going to be the year the Bears are all the way back. The one block kick, double doink away from really making a run. We're back. What do you think happened to Mitchell Trubisky this last year? Was it something like paralysis by analysis? Was it a, What was the issue with Mitchell? You know, if, if you go back and really look, and I, I said this before, if you go back and really look at our 16 games, really he played 14. He was hurt for two of them. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, yeah, Mitch, Mitch wishes he could have made some more plays. But at the end of the day, what I really think it was is just the offense as a whole. It wasn't clicking, right? Like, we may miss a block. Or we may drop a critical third down catch. Or, you know, we may fumble a football. Like, it just, for whatever reason, I don't I don't know. I mean, it just it really just didn't click as an offense this year. If you go back and really study the games that we played, if you take probably 
20 plays uh, in the entire season and you flip those to positive plays, they were negative plays, you flip them to positive plays, touchdowns, third down conversions, then we might win three or four more games and we're sitting here talking about the playoffs. So, um, you know, the parity in the league, as you know, is, is so slim. So it, it's definitely tough, um, you know, in Chicago especially, all the blame f- falls on the quarterback. And when he does well and the team does well, he gets all the glory. So uh, he understands that. He wishes he would have done better. But we're, we're really close, I feel like. Okay, so this year, that's interesting to think about because – the year we were 2-14, and 14, I talk about this all the time, there was like seven games we could have won if one or two plays go the opposite direction. And we were a terrible football team. And that we, yeah. could have been, we could have been 9-7, and 10-6 if that one play goes a different way. And by the way, the play don't care who makes it. What you're referring to is people dropping passes and rushes maybe potentially yeah. not breaking out. How, it, behind the scenes, though, I mean, because it came out that Nagy told Trubisky to watch the game back and look at his body language. The fact that that got leaked outside of the building, I have no idea how that happens. And then there's all these rumors and things that happened. This is, how was Mitchell behind the scenes during this year? Obviously, it was very tough. It was a very tough year for yeah. the Bears. And you said it in Chicago. It's difficult. How was he behind the scenes? Well, you know, when you have success early in a coach's career, um, like Coach Nagy did uh, his first year, right, last year, and you look at to where we sort of regress this year, um, twelve and four to eight and eight, right? There's four extra games. I think everyone in the in the entire you know organization really takes it strong and 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 hard, and it's just not the way we wanted to go out. And and Mitch is actually you know very strong willed. He's very um, cognizant of what's being said outside, but he's got a really good attitude about it and. Guys sort of feed off that, and I think he was one of the main reasons the guys really stick stuck together and really didn't go opposite ways because I'm sure you've seen teams before oh, yeah. you lose three, four, five games in a row, and they just go opposite ways. And really, I, I, would, I would say the big part of that was Coach Nagy and Mitch, and of course our defensive leaders coming together, but Mitch was definitely a big part of that, bringing us back together and saying, hey, just stay the course. And we sort of made a run there at the end of the year, and we're one or two games away uh, maybe from from getting in the playoffs, but it just it's just not up to our standard. Okay, I agree, and maybe this is going to change the way I think about Mitchell Trubisky. By the way, because I do think at some points he looked like a guy that I don't want to say deer in the headlights, or, or but he kind of looked like that a little bit in a couple situations. I'm like, why is this guy? What happened? Almost looked like he was overthinking, trying to force things. But let's pivot. I appreciate that insight. I will take that yeah. going forward. A backup quarterback's role is much more important than people think. That's why when everybody talks about how how can Colin Kaepernick not be a backup quarterback somewhere or how can Johnny Manziel not be a backup quarterback or Tim Tebow the backup quarterback now aside from bringing distractions into a place that you can't have distractions because it's already hard enough to win a backup quarterback's job though not only running scouting being able to make every single throw and adapt to different styles of offense so you can give the defense a good look but film breakdown and helping the starting quarterback is a massive ordeal I don't think enough people know about the true roles of a backup quarterback aside from holding the clipboard on the sideline yeah, I mean, you sound like a backup quarterback, to be honest with you. You got a down pat, man. Well, I mean, I don't get what I said there. But no, listen, uh, I, I do think that um, it is difficult at times to be a backup quarterback, and not necessarily because you're, you're playing, right? Like, or you're not playing. But um, obviously for me, like, I'd love to be out on the field playing, but I also understand the role. And, and I've told people this before. I, I do think uh, a backup quarterback's role is twofold. One, and you have to be a really good backup quarterback, you have to do everything in your power to get the starter ready to play the game. Whatever that is, take your routine, take your stuff, throw it out the window. You've got to get on the same wavelength as a starter. You guys have to work in, in tandem. You guys are in there all hours of the night watching film. You're in there early breaking down film. You, you two have to see eye to eye, and you have to help the starter get ready. And at the same time, the second part, you have to play well when called upon. And you have to be able to play at any given time. I mean, take take me for instance. We were in the Minnesota game, and I wasn't expecting to play. I mean, I you know, everything was fine. Mitch gets hurt like the sixth play of the game. It's a little cold. Go in. I think fourteen play drive, score a touchdown, and just really didn't miss a beat. And I think hey. that sort of fits with the scheme. No, but I'm just saying, like, that happens all the time, and you have to be ready to play. And when you get your opportunity, if you want to stick in this league, you have to play well. Okay, so you're a free agent, I believe, if I'm reading the internet correctly. 
Uh, a place that will probably be looking for you is somebody that has a young quarterback. I feel like they brought in Matt Hasselbeck for Andrew Luck to kind of show him the ways of, hey, this is how a professional quarterback acts. Not that Andrew Luck wouldn't have been prepared, but there's little things that when you've been around, you could talk about like, hey, you're allowed to say this to the team. You're allowed to do this to the coach. You're allowed to demand these types of things. There's going to be a couple rookie quarterbacks that are going to get some real shots coming up here in the next couple years. What is a place that you've thought like, hey, I'd be good here. Maybe Joe Burrow next year if he's at Cincinnati do you think that's yeah. a place you could potentially fall to or are you kind of open to whatever you know I don't really like to get into uh, all that stuff I you know I'll trust my agent to get me to the best team possible all I know is that when I got a chance to play I played pretty well and um, I feel like I'm 25 years old I'm 33 feel like I'm 25 I don't have a lot of mileage on my body um, I feel like uh, my arms in the best shape it's been in uh, and when I got the chance the last you know, two years for the four games, I felt like I moved the ball and, and helped our team win some games. So um, whoever it is out there, listen, I know I'll have a job and I'm, I'm, I know probably at this point in my career, I'm not going to be signed to be a starter, but I can play if, if needed. And I still view myself as a starter. That's how, that's how I want to be. Um, but we'll see. Carolina Panthers. Are you going to go start quarterback <laughs> for the Carolina Panthers, Jason? Matt, Matt Rule. You never know, man. College guy. <laughs> Uh, Chase, when you're looking at this Super Bowl, I'm assuming you got a chance to at least watch some games now since you guys yeah. didn't make the playoffs. You got a chance to kind of watch this all unfold. Patrick Mahomes in that Chiefs team. Now, people say they started slow. They definitely started slow against the Texans. They had one three and out against the Titans, but they were down 10 nothing. What do you think this this Patrick Mahomes-led offense and Andy Reid and Biennemi offense can do against this Niners defense that has been historically great? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it historically, right, what wins championships, a running game and a defense. So San Francisco has that. However, they don't have Patrick Mahomes. And what Patrick Mahomes can do as a quarterback is something, I mean, I was even talking about it with some coaches of mine the other day. We have this group text, and just they're in awe of how he plays. It's it's pretty impressive. I mean, he he can really do it all. He, he honestly reminds me of like a super young Aaron Rodgers and what he's able to do moving the pocket. I mean, his run, his 27 yard touchdown run was, you know, I'm, I'm watching, right. My, my wife's from Kansas city. Her whole, her whole family's from Kansas city. She's Kansas city fan. So we're watching in our house and I see him running out on the 27 yard touchdown run. And I'm like, you're not that fast. Throw it away. You're in field goal range. Throw it away. Throw it away. And all of a sudden he gives us a little head fake and it just, it stops the defender in his tracks and then he's able to run over a guy for a touchdown. I mean, that's a championship moment, right? Like, that's sort of what Kansas City has to have to, to win against against the 49ers. I mean, you look at the Niners, and and they're going to try to play ball control offense. I mean, they're going to try to keep the ball for 40 minutes of the game. Now, you know, time of possession stat, I don't necessarily love it because Kansas City can score in a minute. Um, <clears throat> but it will be interesting to see – the game. I mean, it's a, it's a good matchup on many levels. Okay, so let's talk. You said Patrick Mahomes reminds you of Aaron Rodgers. You got a chance to back up Drew Brees. What makes Drew Brees so – and do you think – now, I don't know if you still talk to him or not. A lot of people are wondering if he's going to come back next year. They got Teddy Bridgewater down there. They have to make that decision as well. There's a lot going on with the New Orleans Saints right now off the field. What makes Drew Brees so damn good? He's undersized by all accounts. He doesn't seem to be like this big physical – I don't think he can throw the ball further than anybody else. What makes Drew Brees so damn good? I think the feel for the game and his pocket movement, just the presence that he has on the field. I mean, he's been doing it for so long and he's been at offense since 06. So going on 14 years and he sort of made that offense, right? His off that offense goes around drew. And that's, what's so impressive that a lot of people don't understand about me or what Teddy Bridgewater did to me. It, it was unbelievable that he was just able to step in He, you know, first, second year with the team and to be able to do what he did, I think he went five and zero. And that offense, I'm telling you right now, that's why they really never draft rookie quarterbacks. You can't understand it. It's so intense and it's so crazy. Um, so what Teddy was able to do was amazing. But back to Drew, I mean, it's just it's impressive. I mean, every year I think he's gonna, you know, retire or go home and and just you know he has so many other ventures outside of football. But I mean, the fire burns deep in him, man. And I could see him playing on for at least another year. How about Tom Brady? This whole thing is a spectacle. <laughs> Everywhere he goes is going to generate and garner conversation because he's played this perfectly. What do you think Tom Brady does? And and 
If Chase Daniel was Tom Brady's backup, what would Chase Daniel try to help Tom Brady with to get better? I don't think you can help any anybody with that guy. I mean, he's the GOAT, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, he's won so many Super Bowls and just what he's been able to do. But I, I, I do think that you know, there's a lot of free agent quarterbacks that are big names this year. I do think Tom Brady goes back to the New England Patriots, even though he sold his house. I do. I oh. really do. I do think Drew Brees goes back to the Saints. The biggest question mark that a lot of people really aren't talking about, and it got some play in media earlier this week, is Phillip Rivers. Right? He sold his house. He moved his kids to Florida. Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I don't know. Oh. It's interesting what's going to happen with him. I do, th- I do think he's going to switch teams, possibly. I think he's potentially done. It looked like he was throwing a med ball there towards the end of the season, Chase. I agree. I agree. But I, I just, I know Philip as a competitor. He's so, oh, don't worry about. Oh, yeah, you're getting a phone. Here we go. Yeah, Back to, to you. There you go. Um, I do think that because they switched uh, and moved, I, I think he can still play. I mean, I do. I know he threw 20 interceptions this year, but I mean, he's pretty young, right? He's 36, 37 years old. I do think he's going to play. All right. Well, Chase. I can't wait to see where you end up next. Oh, here's, who's a quarterback that you watch and think that a, a good backup quarterback could help them? I mean, any any rookies. Like, uh, it's it's hard to tell. But, I mean, there, there are a lot of open opportunities available for backup jobs. I mean, there's a lot of jobs going to become open. So, like I said, I'm just I'm, – I'm hoping for any and everything and any opportunity I can get. All right. Well, we appreciate the hell out of this opportunity to chat with you, ladies and gentlemen. Chase Daniel. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. Super champ. Backup quarterback is very, very important. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important. That's why when everybody's like, Colin Kaepernick could be a backup quarterback, it's like, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how he is a film study. I don't know how he is with homework. I don't know how he is with this, with that. That's what a backup quarterback is. They make the best broadcasters. It's a communication job. You have to help the starter prepare. And then typically there's a young guy, third string, that you have to make sure that they understand what's going on, that they can run scout team too. Like it is a job centered around communication. Yep. And also good coaches too. Mm-hmm. Frank Reich right now, I think, is kind of living in that world. Doug, Doug Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, Doug Peterson. Normally, backup quarterbacks are very good coaches. Jason Garrett. Jason, Jason Garrett. Garrett. The draft was announced. It's going to be in Las Vegas. That's been known. But there's going to be a floating red carpet area in front of the Bellagio, which players will get boated into. They'll get boated into this red carpet area in front of the Bellagio. Think of the fountains going off with the photos. That's going to be dope picks. Then they're going to take another boat over to the other side, hop in a car, drive over to the Caesars area. There's a parking lot over there that they're transforming into a draft spectacle area for the fans. Now, Coonan, you're big in the sports media world, right? Dialed in this whole world. Try to be. No, you are, right? Yep. How long have you been working at CAA in the sports media world? It's like four years now. Okay, so the NFL has had this uh, traveling draft now for the last few years. They were in Dallas, right? Then Philadelphia, then Nashville, now Vegas. Have they viewed these traveling drafts as a massive, overwhelming success? Or has there been some misses or something like that? It, it is just beyond a success. Beyond a success. They First didn't all, know. No, like Nashville is an amazing city, was not going to get a Super Bowl. You know, not, they don't have a new stadium. They don't have a roof. They were not going to get a Super Bowl. They got the draft. And it, the, the draft, more people were able to touch the draft. More Tennesseans were able to touch the draft and to be there and be offended by you than <laughs> well, probably been able to go to the Super Bowl. Now, they are saying that I am a voice of the draft after what happened One last. of the draft's most iconic moments ever. That's what people are saying. You're my agent. You're supposed to say that. <laughs> but this year in the Vegas thing, we're looking at the pictures. They're literally just changing a parking lot in Las Vegas into a draft stage. And then they're putting a stage on top of the... Uh, the fountain or whatever what it goes into the thought of that like what what is the entire mindset on where they go where and why they do what well, look well in nashville what they did was they shut down broadway yep and so you had just a mass of people one hundred twenty thousand people for about a mile yep. and the visual spectacle was incredible but the stage was in a parking lot and the green room was built you know an elevated tent in a parking lot true and the espn set was at uh, a brewery NFL network set was at another restaurant so like they just basically tapped into the local infrastructure ecosystem that was available to them there in Vegas they're doing the same thing now I think it's a lot harder to shut down the Las Vegas strip than it is mm-hmm. to shut down Broadway and Nashville 
Um, See, that is something that I didn't understand. And Diggs listens to VSIN every morning. He does gambling picks. And our guy, Brent Musburger's yep. owner, mm-hmm. Brent Musburger. And they were talking about how incredibly impossible it would have been to shut down the Las Vegas Strip. Dude, the Las Vegas Strip is wider than, you know, Interstate 75. Like, that thing is how many lanes across? Oh, 12, maybe? Yeah, it's insane. And you have to, like, you know, you have to take the bridges. You have to walk to a bridge. I got little legs. Like, it's going to take just 20 minutes <laughs> to cross a street. You are a very small person. You're not. I, I don't think I'm like cute. scientifically you're yeah. a little person. No, I don't think I'm there. Yeah, a few inches, <laughs> few inches on the classification. Yeah, yeah. but you yeah. you are. I mean, for That's everybody horrible. though, walking the strip stinks. It stinks and it's hot and people and like then you run into like people that you've never seen before and so you stop and then you see people like check their polls to see if they're still. I mean, it's a mess. So I think shutting down the strip was not an option. Uh, see, everybody. I think everybody assumed. Just after how last year went in Nashville, the Broadway. That they would shut down the street. Everybody, I, I assumed, like, and, and I am nowhere near in the position to ever have any intel on anything. But when they said it was in Vegas, I was like, oh, they'll just shut down the strip. They'll have that shot down the strip. That's the way it'll go. Instead, I think the, the boat to the Bellagio fountain thing is hilarious. It, it's genius. Uh, Vegas doesn't have any. There, there's not like anything like geographical, topographical about Vegas that's mm-hmm. super iconic right in the middle of the city, you know? So in Philly, you had that beautiful park. In Chicago, you had the park. Mm-hmm. In Nashville, you have, you know, the scene of Broadway. Um, in Vegas, you have the Strip. The Strip is going to be part of the visual, but the Bellagio Fountain is iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ocean's Eleven. Yep. O- Ocean's yeah. Eleven. Yeah, yeah. They're and at the end. they are going to literally put... You know, the biggest spectacle of the NFL offseason in the middle of an iconic location. I respect it. It's going to be really, really cool. I'm the NFL excited. does everything first class. I'm excited to see how it worked out. I think they, whenever they debuted the image, I thought they were doing the draft on, and I think that's because Arash uh, Markazi, yeah. Markazi, who's a friend of ours, uh, put out that tweet. I assume they are doing the draft from the fountain when player gets drafted, <laughs> hop on the boat, <laughs> boop, boop, skipper's oh. coming in, <laughs> hop off the boat, Dap up Goodell, do the interview with Deion Sanders on a boat out the other side celebration. I thought that was going to... I gonna. think that was the initial reaction yesterday when the images first came out. It came out, Arash broke the story yesterday first. He was the first guy I saw that had it. Except, I think because the Clark County, Nevada public filings had to be disclosed, so Arash just on top of his stuff. Yeah, he's a good reporter. Yeah. And he was first to put it out. But I think that was the initial reaction. Um, I will tell you though I won't put anything past the NFL when a player is drafted I mean you've been to Vegas too many times those fountains shoot high like I would not be surprised if those fountains shoot high in team colors when a player is drafted oh like fireworks waterworks yeah I just you know I don't know what the plan is no one's got information but it's all going to be around there and I guarantee you that the show is not going to stop once you know Goodell starts calling those picks All right. I would like to let everybody know I have a self ban on Vegas so I will not be there this year hmm. is that so <laughs> I did. we were at a dinner it's been a few years we were at a dinner we were at a dinner in new orleans for the national championship and we were sitting with some people from espn and it was a great conversation there was no tv in the restaurant because coonan picked the only television the only restaurant in the entire <laughs> city that did not have a television to watch a rather important nfl you try game. to make a reservation for 33 in new orleans the night before lsu plays for the national championship <laughs> Well, yeah, whatever the case was, we went to this dinner and there was no television. So, you know, a lot of conversation was happening. And by the way, it felt good to go travel back to the era where there was nothing, no distractions, just humans, right? So we're talking to the ESPN people and there was, a, you know, a couple of things floated by like, hey, we want you to be a part of draft coverage. I was like, awesome, awesome. Where's it at? And they're like, Las Vegas. I was like, oh, can't do it. So sorry. Until I have $100 million in my bank account, I promised myself I would not go back to Vegas. It's one of the reasons why I'm here today. We have to just sit down face-to-face and go over a few things and draft is one of them. <laughs> uh, Anytime Coonan is around. We have a buddy system. Like, I have a buddy system in place. Michael Klein, who cannot be here today, uh, but we love Klein. He's in L.A., away in the birth of beautiful new baby boy. <laughs> We're going to put a buddy system in place for you in Vegas. That's, We're going to put a tracker that, on hey, yeah. hey, hey, <laughs> Vegas, Vegas is just everything, man. It is. It, I love gambling. I like dancing. I like having a good time. I don't mind jumping into bodies of water. I mean, Vegas is just too much. That was my initial reaction seeing the <sighs> drawings from yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Pat's going to end up in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's what everybody says. That's what everybody has said yesterday, but good for me. I I, I can't go to Las Vegas. It's, we'll, see. Uh, it's, uh, we'll see. It's one of those uh, electric fences that they have for dogs. Mm -hmm. yep. They just have that up for me whenever I'm flying on a Southwest flight in there, sitting in between like 75 people. <laughs> <laughs> anyways it's very responsible of you thank you foxy You're nobody welcome. ever says that i always get bashed for this nope. instead here i am being a responsible adult but yep. anytime coonan is around that means pretty massive decisions have to be made <laughs> so anytime you hear or see the coonan know that something big is probably going to come within the next week or so if well, i had to guess the last time we were there you slid out of the club on your stomach like a penguin <laughs> He didn't have an accountability buddy. Oh, he did. I was there. No, you were not. A, you're you're there. the worst accountability buddy. Where on were the you? Yeah. Where were you? He Whoa. was. Hold on, no. <laughs> Sleeping, probably. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was one of the, I would like it to be known that it was hilarious, and I had a sombrero on at the time. I mean, it was. You know how parents put kids like give them a little backpack with like a turtle and a leash that's like attached to it. Yeah, we're gonna do that for you. It's not gonna Vegas. work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Cut the leash. I love that. <sighs> it's the best. It's the best place. It's in the world. worst. It's the worst place on earth. It's the worst place. Vegas is the worst place on earth. That's what it is. But it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time while you're there. Once again, we interrupt this program to let you know that there's another product that's about to get sold here that I think you're going to think, oh, I don't know if I like it. We got a couple bottles of it shipped to the office. Tastes good. The whiskey drinker said this tastes Good. Do you consider yourself a black sheep, misfit, or even a screwball? If so, we've got the perfect drink for you. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. With a warm and welcoming aroma and a deliciously smooth palate, screwball peanut butter whiskey isn't your average flavored liquor. Made by a local husband and wife duo with American whiskey and peanut butter flavor, the end result is this savory and creamy touch of sweetness and without the lingering heavy finish you might expect. Screwball stands alone. It tastes amazing all by itself. Neat, on the rocks, or even as a shot. Screwball also elevates practically any cocktail into a whole new experience. Screwball is extremely versatile. Screwball is the all-terrain whiskey. On one side, you have a good old whiskey, a bold, loud, and strong partner in crime who exudes confidence. On the other, you have peanut butter, a rich, smooth, and irresistible spread that's as dependable as they come. Those two blend together to make the perfect combination. In fact, they go together so well, they make PB&J jealous. But we have to warn you, a night with screwball is bound to get a little, listen to this, nutty. <laughs> Inspired by a wildly popular shot invented by co-founder Stephen Yang and served at his popular restaurant OB Noodle House plus Bar 1502 in Ocean Beach, San Diego, this brand is the American dream. Born in quirky Ocean Beach, California, Screwball is the brainchild of a husband and wife duo. Stephen was a restaurant owner and foodie who is well known for his recipes, incorporating peanut butter into them. He is of Cambodian heritage and polio survivor who first fell in love with the taste when he came to America. To him, peanut butter is the taste of freedom. Brittany, his wife, was an attorney with a master's in chemistry. When they saw his peanut butter whiskey cocktail outselling any other spirit, they decided to bottle their own peanut butter whiskey. They ended up creating something even better than the original cocktail and dedicated it to their hometown, a small San Diego community known for its colorful mix of misfits, black sheep, and screwballs. Huh, this is beautiful. Screwball, the original and most awarded peanut butter whiskey, is now available nearly everywhere. At 70 proof, Screwball peanut butter whiskey is the perfect shot or the perfect addition to your favorite cocktail. Pick it up at your local store or ask, it at your, ask for it at your favorite bar or restaurant. Ready to hashtag get screwed? Go to screwballwhiskey.com. That's screw with a K. S-K-R-E-W-B-A-L-L whiskey.com for more info. Enjoy responsibly. Advertisement by Screwball Spirits, LLC. San Marcos, California. Whiskey with natural flavors and car caramel color. 35% alcohol by volume. All right. It's really good. You should try it out. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. The whiskey drinkers of the office loved it, and you will too. At the end of the Kansas State-Kansas game, Kansas won that one very easily and as they were trying to dribble out the clock, a Kansas State player stole the ball down like 30 
and tries to go do a layup. And the person that he stole the ball from said, you're not going to do this to me. We're up a lot. We won this game. You should do the gentleman thing and let us just dribble out this time and take this beating in a classy fashion. That guy goes, volleyball spikes <laughs> the layup as clock is unwinding, then flexes over the guy in a rather um, intimidating fact. I mean, he was flexing on that dude very, very, very hard. And then what happened after that is a situation where I believe the Kansas team wanted to go celebrate with the guy who just had the SWAT as if it was a walk-off home run. And then the Kansas State team wanted to go help their guy up who was on the ground. And anytime you have two groups of humans from opposite teams jogging to the same area in a hostile environment, especially when they're 18 to what, 21 years old, college mm -hmm, basketball, mm -hmm. in the same area, and there's one person flexing on another team something, there is going to be a situation in all Hell broke loose in Kansas last night. All hell. There's this poor lady that got deboed by an 18-year-old <laughs> basketball player. This is the handicap section if I do. It, yep. it rolled into the handicap section. There was a guy in a polo and khakis getting swung on. A Kansas basketball player. By God, he picked up a chair. I mean, they had an entire a lot of white people standing around watching. I mean, it was an insane scene in Kansas. There's a couple shots of the kids and students in the front row enjoying the hell out of it. Then there's a couple shots of older whites panicked and scared to hell. And this is something that I assume the basketball world, the college basketball world is not going to love. I assume this is going to be something that punishments are going to be mighty, especially the dude that had the chair over his head as if he was about to break it over the skull of the Kansas State kid with a lady grabbing onto his leg in pure fear after she's been knocked down. I'd assume there's going to be some rather large suspensions. And I guess this Kansas team is like the number two team in the country. They're about to lose whoever the big guy was that was about to... <laughs> Rocky Johnson to Kurt Angle, a chair off of his head. Bang! I mean, it is just... That was awesome to watch, obviously, as a fan. But I just understand that the NCAA in the sporting community, especially for these student human, I mean, that chair is possibly at its tip there, 10 feet in the sky. <laughs> he has a chair all the way over his head, a bunch of old whites panicking in the background. And then he's about to bring that thing down on a Kansas State guy's face. I assume that the punishment is going to be mighty for this. And the University of Kansas, or is it Kansas University, uh, athletic director Jeff Long, I believe is his name, came out with an entire statement here immediately. They went into crisis mode, and they said this. The conduct of a few of our student human athletes at the conclusion of tonight's game versus Kansas State was simply unacceptable and not reflective of who we are, said KU Director of Athletics Jeff Long. Coach Self and I will review the incident along with the Big 12 Conference and Kansas State to determine appropriate consequences. There is no place for this conduct in college athletics or here at KU. I would like to apologize to the Big 12 Conference, Kansas State University, Gene Taylor, Bruce Weber, and all the fans for the lack of sportsmanship from members of our team this evening. I think Jeff Long forgot to apologize to one person, that lady. <laughs> that lady that was on the ground holding on for dear life with his leg while that guy has the chair. I think that lady deserved a, at least an, a mention in that apology, but this is going to be pretty mighty. Uh, is Kansas going to survive this? Will they still be the number two team if they lose, what, four of their guys for the rest of the season? Because that's potentially what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, as long as if it's rest of the season, then yeah. But if anything other than that, it doesn't matter until you get to the tournament. I commend the dude who had the chair. Because he was going full swing with the chair, and then he, when it, once he got it to about 12 feet over his head, he realized, you know what, probably shouldn't swing this chair at somebody. That's awesome. That's like um, that. whenever we were talking about Miles Garrett, who fully did the helmet swing onto 
Mason Rudolph's head with Mason Rudolph's helmet. We compared it to a scene that happened a couple years ago. I think it was, uh, I think it was the Dolphins and somebody else, the oh, Texans, yeah, yeah. I believe. And somebody had the person's helmet, and they went to swing, and then halfway through the swing, they're like, oh, I can't hit somebody with a helmet." <laughs> That's kind of what that guy did with the with the chair. Miles Garrett's the only person to fully have a foreign object Jeez. in a sporting event fight to fully follow through, and for that, I respect it. But, I like how the Kansas player has the stool by the wrong end he's clearly never watched the movie roadhouse he's holding it from the seat he's going to hit them with the flimsy leg yeah everybody knows classic wwe chair shot you grab it by the leg you don't grab it by the seat Mm -hmm. uh mostly because there's a lot more surface area up there by the seat you got to swing it with but boy what a scene there in kansas kansas state and it's the first time we've talked about college basketball on the show so I guess just like the buzzers for the Astros. <laughs> Good for them. It seems like that, those kids are probably gone, though. Yeah. I, I, that kid who, who was swinging the chair and got into the fight in the, in the handicapped fan section, I mean, that's probably, that's probably enough to warrant a... Uh, and it, it, lo- it looked like plain clothes people were getting like thrown <laughs> down and swung on too. Like that's why it's going to be so hard to look at because you. It, it looked like everyone was involved. And there's no sound on that video, but you could tell the woman's doing. Stop! Yeah. Stop! <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of white ladies in there, not happy about what was happening to their popcorn <laughs> that was sitting right in front of them. That was a big deal. That's a big ordeal, and I'm excited to see how they punish these people. Did anyone actually connect? With the single I don't think so. There's one dude in a collared shirt who came in early from Kansas State who I think did get a punch in. And then he's the one who ended up losing his shoes. He ended up getting pushed out of his shoes. I mean, it was there's a male cheerleader in there breaking things up. It was a wild scene. But good for, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to say this. Go ahead. Go ahead. If one of your teammates gets in a fight, though, and you don't get in the fight, there's a lot to be said about that as well. Right, mm-hmm. so it's like in the Mason Rudolph Miles Garrett situation where Pouncey took him to the ground and was punching his helmet. You heard everybody that's ever been a part of a team sport basically commend him for what he did. A lot of people were like, "Oh, look at him! He's uh, he's beating the hell out of him while he's on the ground." Blah blah blah. It was like, no, anybody that's ever played a team sport, you heard them say, "Pouncey is the only dude on here that basically did the right thing." And then in film, I'm sure they watched to see who was potentially around. And did not get involved. And I'm not going to say that coach, like, I'm not saying coach Tomlin circled some people and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But every player watched that video and said, huh, oh, insert name here, was not ready to go in that particular fight. And in a locker room, that is something that can maybe change the way people feel about you. So although this situation is very unfortunate, terribly unfortunate, the timing, the circumstance, the, the, the lady that got knocked down, the chair that was about to get swung, I mean, it got taken to a level way too far. The male cheerleader that came in with his wrist taped because he just got, through, got done doing some round-off back handsprings, <laughs> getting in there and breaking it up. I mean, all that. it is commendable that the entire team was fighting with the entire team. And that's the only good thing about this whole thing, is that the entire team, even the dudes that were wearing khakis, Untied shoes, obviously, and a polo got involved. I think that is something we can talk about as being commendable. But, boy, everything else is just a bad look for both teams. Yeah, it was K-State's fault. I mean, don't steal the ball when you're down. Come on. Have a little respect. And if you're going to go up with that weak-ass layup and you don't expect to get that thing 10-foot line like volleyball, (laughs) get the hell out of here. So they'll all get suspended, I assume, and then we'll move forward. Yeah. And you said horrendous timing. If, if that happens with three minutes left on the clock, nothing happens. He might get a T for standing over top of him. Yeah, but the team. But because the teams were coming out of the court to celebrate. Because it was the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. That is very The big. best part was is they made him come back on the court after and to shake. shoot the free throw. <laughs> and they ended up covering the second half spread with the free throw. No. Yeah, yeah. Not the full game. Just if you were in-game betting yeah, second, half. The second half. The kid made it, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. who got to shoot it? Kansas or Kansas State? It was a tech. Uh, so, State, yeah. yeah. Kansas State shot it yeah. in Kansas after just getting beat up. Yes. Yeah. They have to come back out That's tough. in front of Rock Chalk. Yeah. Oh, that's like the Saints when the Saints had to come back oh, out yeah. for the extra point yeah. after the Minneapolis miracle. The entire state of Minnesota, that stadium is having the celebration of a lifetime. Thomas Morissette had to line up at three technique. <laughs> what, a, what a, he was in a four point stance. He was like a frog. <laughs> Poor Tom. Thomas. Tom. <laughs> Poor he had a Tom. broken rib, too, dude. Yeah, he had a broken <laughs> That's rib. That's outrageous. That's tough. <laughs> 
All right, that's it for today. I hope you had an incredible Thursday. Thank you for rocking with us. Big shout out to Ike Taylor for talking to us about the football. Also, massive shout out to Chase Daniel coming on the show. Talk about Mitchell Trubisky. He didn't really say anything, you know. I think he still wants to be a player, you know. So he didn't really sell him. But it was nice inside information. Nice inside information from a guy that's had a hell of a career and made a lot of money being a very good backup quarterback at places. Thanks to both of those Super Bowl champs, and thanks to the Kansas and Kansas State basketball teams for giving us a chance to talk about college basketball. I'm watching Zion's debut right now. I mean, he doesn't look like he's in, uh, you know, best shape, but I am a Zion guy. I bet on him handsomely. Can't wait to wake up in the morning and find out if I won or not because I'm probably going to fall asleep because he's not in the game as much as I thought he would be. Oh, well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you liked it, please tell your friends. If not, you know, just act like you never heard it. And please remember to enter the hashtag Pat I predict contest on Twitter and predict the final score of the Super Bowl. Uh, if you get it right, you'll be entered in for a chance to win $1,000. All right, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. For those interested, this is Summer Nights by Liquid, spelled L-I-Q-W-Y-D.